1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Ryan Sprague here. Before we get to this special panel discussion, I have some people to thank for making it happen. First and foremost, Peter Robbins. This panel originally aired on Peter Robbins' radio show, Meanwhile, Here on Earth, on the KGRA Network. Please be sure to check out the extended version of this conversation by joining the KGRA Members Only site, where you'll have access to hundreds of episodes from all of KGRA's stable of shows. Use the discount code PETER when signing up for 30% off your subscription price. You can also subscribe to the KGRA YouTube channel to watch all interviews live for 24 hours. This was an awesome panel discussion that three-fourths of the Rogue Planet team got to take part in. Myself, Jason McClellan, and Shane Hurd. We got to speak with Robert Salas all about his upcoming UFOs and Nukes conference happening October 19th at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. This event will be live streamed for free on YouTube. All links are in the show notes. Special thanks once again to Peter Robbins, Bill Skywatcher, KGRA, and to Robert Salas. I hope you enjoy
2: This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague.
3: Bob, obviously, I want to begin with you. Um, Some time back, you announced that you were creating this initiative for this new event, which will take place next month on October 19th. Can you tell us something about how you came to put this together, your reasons for doing it, and what we can expect to see uh, on October 19th at the National Press Club?
4: Yeah, thanks, Peter. Um, I think we have a very unique Point in time here. Uh, now that the uh, DoD the uh, has admitted that this phenomenon is real, it's not imaginary
3: <laughs> uh,
4: officially uh, and in writing, and, and we we haven't heard those kind of words from uh, from the government before. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got a unique opportunity, uh, but I felt. Strongly uh, after the report came out, that um, we are in for kind of a repeat of what we've seen before with this phenomenon. That is, um, we would get uh, a little bit of acknowledgement of this and that, uh, but nothing of substance. Um, I'm convinced that in order to get to the issue, uh, to the substance of the matter, uh, we're going to have to have open hearings. Yes, and in order to have open hearings, we're going to have to put pressure on Congress. I know there've been a couple of congressmen and uh, senator, maybe, uh, who uh, have mentioned open hearings. Uh, but uh, knowing what I do about uh, past events, uh, of course, I've been researching this for over twenty-five years. in public for over 25 years. Um, uh, what usually happens is we get a little dribs and drabs, and uh, mm-hmm. the subject seems to fall by the wayside. Uh, but um, so the purpose of this press conference is, uh, uh, in particular, to focus on the UFO nuclear weapons connection, mm. which is uh, seemingly not been Uh, talked about too much in the media. Yes. Uh, So we're going to bring forward uh, myself and three other strong witnesses, all ex-military, and we're going to give our details on uh, very specific incidents, but they only represent the tip of the iceberg, as you know. Yes. There have been hundreds, literally hundreds, of incidents that have been documented um, primarily by Robert Hastings and his yeah. book, UFOs and Nukes. And I want to give a big shout out to Robert. Uh, um, he's not feeling well these days. Otherwise he'd be he, along my side uh, at the press conference, but yes. uh, he has been very helpful to me in getting things put together. And, uh, and so he'll be missed, but, um, that's the purpose. We're going to have these people talk uh, their stories and uh, and provide uh, detailed evidence of, of what transpired. We'll also have a, a press package um, uh, to give to the press present. Excellent. And uh, it will be live streamed.
3: Outstanding. Uh, free for everyone to watch. Wow. Um Um, A question as a natural archivist and knowing the impact that authentic, declassified documents, not something put together in somebody's basement, but absolutely guilt-edged can have on a reader who is simply unfamiliar with them. The five of us have looked at these things for years, if not decades. and. You know, it's kind of second nature. But will you are you considering including any official declassified documentation in the press packages?
4: Absolutely, <clears throat> the press package will include some declassified documents. I have already uh, come up with what I call my briefing book. It's been sent to members of Congress uh, and senators. Uh, they've acknowledged receipt. So there's no way they can uh, Hmm. state that uh, they don't know about these things or Mm. they don't have official records of them. Yes, And by them, I mean these incidents involving UFOs and nuclear weapons bases. Uh, So the idea here now is to put pressure on them to uh, uh, have open hearings so we can bring more witnesses forward. Of course, uh, many of the witnesses – are in the background still because of, you know, the usual reasons, uh, ridicule, uh, fear of loss of job or um, what have you. But uh, if hearings are open to the public and they are official government hearings, I'm sure a lot of them will come forward.
3: Now, uh, another question for you before I open up, Uh, to our panel here, any questions that they uh, may want to begin putting forward. Um, Is this happening on a day when Congress is in session? Have you uh, checked?
4: Uh, Yes, I'm uh, I was assured, of course, we don't know for sure, but I'm I'm pretty well assured that Congress will be in session during that week, Mm -hmm. the week of the 18th through the 22nd of October.
3: Okay, I I was
4: hoping to have uh, meetings with uh, members of Congress. Uh, I've sent out uh, um, requests for meetings, and uh, I've had um, some nibbles, but nothing definite yet.
3: Okay, very good. Um, Gentlemen, uh, Ryan, Jason, Shane, questions for Bob. Sure,
1: I'll 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 start and I do want to apologize. My my mic was on mute during your introductions, Peter. I wasn't ignoring anyone. Um, was un- but hopefully un- you can hear me now.
3: Unforgivable. Ray Unforgivable. Push the button.
1: Why am I here? And <laughs> <laughs> not my good first uh, good impression with, with Mr. Salas. Um I'd love to ask you, Bob. Um we got this report recently. We are supposedly getting uh or they're trying to pass a bill for the 2022 Authorization Act for a permanent UFO office. And it seems that the one glaring agency that we're hearing nothing from is the Department of Energy, which presumably would be the one that I I think would handle these nuclear situations with UAP. So I was curious if there was any ever dealings you had with the Department of Energy in briefing and at the National Press Club And uh, why? Why do you think that this preliminary assessment we got um, didn't mention any, you know, they they mentioned restricted airspace, uh, but there was no mention of nuclear sites. Why do you (laughs) think that is? And why aren't we hearing anything from the Department of Mm -hmm. Energy? Those would be my my two questions. Great.
4: Yeah, well, uh, I have not had any dealings with the Department of Energy. uh, I know they are uh, responsible for the Production, I think, of nuclear weapons, uh, and uh, originally they they were in charge of the entire atomic program. But um, uh, I'm more interested in getting into the files of uh, the CIA, the DIA, uh, DARPA, uh, and those those other agencies. Uh, it's it's encouraging that DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, is. Uh, uh, was one of the first that was contacted by Harry Reid, uh, or actually, they contacted him uh, when he set up ATIP. Um, uh, We know know the agencies that have these secrets uh, all locked up. Uh, It's just a matter of uh, prying those open. Um, And Congress has the power to do that. No question. So that's why open hearings are critical. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan. What was your second question? No.
1: I I think you basically answered it, but yeah. Why do you think in the preliminary assessment we got that there was no mention of nuclear site incursions? Uh, you know, we heard restricted airspace, but no mention whatsoever. If they're going to go with this potential threat thing, why wouldn't they mention nuclear sites at all? In in your uh, personal opinion?
4: Yeah, that's a mystery to me too. Um, and that's another reason I want to bring this issue front and center. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the first instance that I was able to research uh, UFOs being involved in nuclear, nuclear facilities was uh, over Hanford nuclear site uh, where they were producing plutonium in 1945, uh, even before the first atomic bomb test uh ufo's were intercepted uh, on radar uh, uh pursuit aircraft were sent out against them and uh uh and then from there on uh, it was continuous there was continuous interest uh in the area of ufo's and uh, nuclear facilities
3: if i may jump in for a moment i i've given that question some thought as well and not surprising to us when the report dropped in June. Um, Shakespeare, as usual, got it right. And it wasn't quite much ado, it wasn't completely much ado about nothing. But, you know, it was so coy with a hammer. It might be the Russians, it might be the Chinese, it might be some super secret agency or office within our government or military-industrial complex that we, the Navy, are not aware of, or who knows, it might just be. Um, This, of course, is nonsensical in that we know as well as we can know that they know that there is a very real likelihood that some, stress not all, truly anomalous UFOs do represent advanced technology from parts unknown under intelligent control. But For me, that report was not the report. It was the first of, if they can get away with it, many, many, many reports that they will drag along for the next several hundred years if they possibly could. Each one, we've discovered something else or we have uh, a little more information to give you. What we can be assured of is that they will not willingly ever put anything in that they feel might panic the public or sound too science fictiony or be too exotic. Hence, we'll never hear in any of the reports Uh, that come about abductions, about um, um, missing pregnancies, about hybrids, about these areas of study that are quite real but to the general public are problematic. And if we were to say these intelligences, these technologies have the power to shut down our most advanced, most deadly weapon systems, that could be upsetting for some people. But in fact, it's a core fact, as you know better than most people, Bob.
4: Yeah, yeah, that would be a major story. But uh, the, even the bigger story is uh, the very fact that government, our government, uh and other governments around the world have been keeping these secrets for decades yes. decades literally uh and i think that's the the big uh uh big <laughs> elephant in the room that the <laughs> governments just don't want to admit to that yeah. uh they have indeed been keeping these secrets and i think that's the 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 really big story here yep.
3: Um, Again, before turning it back to our panel, um, military hubris, human ego, uh, the idea that if we were to make even a token admission, uh, either via the president's office or what have you, it would mean admitting that the leading figures in our government who were briefed to know what was going on have all been unindicted co-conspirators and the greatest cover up in the history of humanity. And they're a little sensitive about that. Go figure. Um, gentlemen, next question for Robert Salas.
5: Well, I'll jump in with one. And first of all, Bob, I just want to congratulate you and say, Kudos for putting this together. I mean, that mm. is no small task, and it's it's hugely appreciated. I was really excited to see when I saw that you'd you'd managed to put this together. But I know we've all been excitedly watching, you know, kind of the the shift in public attitude toward this topic. We've seen the government's maybe renewed interest in this subject. Um, a lot going on right now. Certainly, the climate seems to have shifted a little bit. But how do you see? the attitude within the government um, and their reaction to an event like this at the the press club as being any different from how it's been the several times before that there have been UFO related events at the national press club. And when this topic, I mean, this is certainly not the first time you brought this topic to the public's attention and you've spoken before about it at the national press club. So how do you see this event given the current uh, temperament, the current climate with this topic? How do you see it being different this time around?
4: well a couple of ways uh, John, uh jason uh number one, uh i'm not alone in this uh yeah. we uh we're gonna have have to have a public outcry uh for more information the uh o d n i Office uh of defense uh national, national intelligence uh Uh, In its report, stated they have to look into the possibility that this is a national security issue. That's in writing. That's in print. Uh, And Congress knows it. uh, The DOD knows it. And they're going to have to address it. Well, I'm pressing the issue on UFOs and nukes, and that is definitely an area of interest of national security. So there's no backing away from that topic now. It's uh, it's on public record, and uh, and so I'm going to press the issue with this press club, and it will. The reason the reason I wanted it uh, to be a um, uh, stream live all uh, all over the world, basically, because it's going to be on YouTube, uh, is to bring public pressure to bear on our Congress, our government to look into this particular topic, which they have not done seriously before. Uh, Does that answer?
5: It certainly does. Absolutely. And I agree with you completely. I mean, it, it, for us right here, we five, it seems weird to keep repeating these things over and over and over, but you're Mm -hmm. exactly right. I mean, the general public still even though these stories have been told countless times, they're still not aware that these things are happening. And even, I always have to remind people going back to very baby steps, even though the government has been saying these things on the record, the large majority of the general public is still stuck at that very baby step, of believing that UFOs just unknown objects exist in our airspace. That's the baby step. We're still stuck at with a lot of the general public.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Jason. Um, uh, we need to get uh, the public to fully, uh, not only realize but but accept the idea that we are indeed being visited. Um, uh, the the uh, The answer to the question, you know, are are these extraterrestrial objects, is a relatively simple logic. And uh, you and I, we all know the logic. It's it's very easy. If these uh, what has been observed. Uh, could not have been produced on planet Earth, then it must have been produced elsewhere. (laughs) Uh, And by these observations, you know, uh, the extreme speeds uh, flying uh, above, um, you know, Mach 5, uh, uh, making 90-degree turns, uh, silently hovering, uh, those kinds of things, uh, we just can't do here. And, you know, frankly, on on a
5: very elemental level, it doesn't really matter at this stage in the game, at the very, very introductory exploration of this. It doesn't matter where they're from, right, if they're extraterrestrial or not. The very fact that they exist and they're doing what they do, that uh, should concern some people and encourage everybody to want to look into it more. So, you know, that's good to see right now from the scientific community.
4: And we do have the scientific community taking a look now.
5: Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Uh, recently, uh, AIAA, uh, is it? Uh, their organization, Aeronautics and Astronautics, uh, uh, has, has uh, taken an interest in the subject. Uh, we have more and more. Uh, I know Abby Loeb, a Harvard uh, astrophysicist, is taking a, a strong interest in it. And uh, Mitrukaku, et cetera. So I think it's coming. Things are changing. i am definitely think things are changing in the scientific community and, and in the public in general.
3: Without question, and for well over three years now, uh, there has been an incredibly noticeable uh, dissipation in the power of ridicule. Um, five years ago, most people that had an interest in the subject, but weren't you know, identified with it like we are, Um, would essentially keep it to themselves or share it with people that they knew it was okay to share it with without a fear of ridicule. And one thing I think we can say now that is creating a healthier and healthier climate for information like this to be presented in a compelling way is more and more people care less and less what other people think about what they think about this subject. And that's landmark. Um, It also makes perfect sense that the event that you're creating um, as powerful as it was in 2013 with Steve Bassett's remarkable disclosure event at the National Press Club to have uh, people like me there testifying as well as people like you with a solid military background is to do this with colleagues with guilt-edged military backgrounds, it has a certain gravitas that most regular folks respect. Oh, you know, you served, you had this rank, you alleged to have been involved in this incident, I will take you more seriously than somebody with a civilian background. Right or wrong, that's the way we function to a degree.
1: What's up, guys? Ryan dropping in to wish you all a very happy Halloween season. And what better way to celebrate than with Jim Harold's Campfire podcast? With over 500 episodes of Campfire, you'll hear stories that will bend your reality and leave you truly spooked. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to regular folks about strange stuff that happens to them, And yes, that includes UFOs and UAPs, along with cryptids, and of course, ghosts. Now not all the stories are horrifying. Some are pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, they are true and fascinating stories, as told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. So pull up a log and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Somewhere in the Skies. And remember, stay spooky. What's up, guys? Ryan Spreg here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis... We have tons of rewards for you in return, including shout-outs on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you, and keep looking up. I'd love to piggyback off of that quickly, Peter. Um, The stigma and ridicule shedding, that was one of the big things they said in that assessment is they want to shed the stigma within the military so that they will report these things. And that was extremely uh, hopeful to hear that. And I can only imagine, and also the DOD saying, if you see a UFO or UAP, you have to report it within, I think, two weeks or something they said. I mean, this is uncanny what they're kind of We've never seen anything like that. So I'd love yep. to know, Bob, um, since this report has come out and since, you know, that ridicule factor is shedding within the military and I guess in the intelligence agencies, are you seeing an influx of more reports of nuclear UFO uh, sightings or um, will we hear of new cases at the at the conference, possibly?
4: Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, I'll mention uh Quite a few cases besides the uh, the four that we'll be speaking. I'll, I'll mention other witnesses. Uh, of course, some of them have passed, uh, but um, uh, just as a teaser, uh, there's information of fairly recent cases of UFOs over nuclear weapons facilities uh, that I'll just mention, but. Um, Again, some of these witnesses are reluctant to come forward uh, some are still in the military um, uh, so and and don't want to be named uh, but so even though the ridicule factor is just one factor of course uh, the other factor is uh, concern about their careers, their jobs uh, even concerned about their safety uh, so. These are still hurdles that need to be overcome, and I think open hearings will, will go a great uh, deal uh, uh, to uh, overcome those.
6: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I had a question for, for Bob, if I could. Um, yes. First of all, I wanted to say you know, thank you for the presentation you made at the MUFON uh, Symposium. It was fascinating. I learned a lot from that. It was really great, so I really appreciated that. Um kind of tagging along on this, this uh, recently released report, uh, one thing I think is an elephant in the room. First of all, I really appreciate that the Navy's, you know, taken the lead uh, on this topic and, um, you know, this investigation and so forth. But what really stands out to me is where's the Air Force on this thing? I mean, um, do you think that they, they just have had enough after Project blue book and they're just keeping their head down and they don't want to participate anymore or or what could be the reason and, and to me it just it, it screams loudly where are they and, and what are they doing they probably have a, a bunch of information behind the scenes um, that could be of use and I don't know if they're cooperating I suppose they must be with the uh, congressional report and all those requirements.
4: Yeah, uh, Shane that's a great question. <laughs> I'm chuckling. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm an Air Force Academy grad, right? And I, I, uh, I considered myself a professional uh, lifetime officer before I resigned. But uh, uh, the Air Force uh, is probably hiding their head in shame right now uh, because even though they, uh, you know, in 1969, they issued a statement on UFOs, stating uh, they were not of national security interest and uh, as a result of uh, the so-called Condon investigation, which which was a complete whitewash, by the way, and I I talk about that at length in uh, my latest (laughs) book. But um, uh, since 1969, the official position of the Air Force is what I just said. It's not of great interest to them. It's not national security issue. And therefore, they were not going to um, evaluate reports, ask for reports or study reports on UFOs. Uh, But it wasn't long after that, they started having um, more sightings over nuclear bases. And I I know in 1975, for example, there were uh, again, uh, sightings uh, at Malmstrom Air Force Base 76 uh, 77 uh, on and on 79 uh, uh, I could I could list quite a few instances up until like I say uh, 2018 2018 uh, reports of nuclear incursions by UFOs at nuclear weapons bases so, The Air Force is trying to hide, but uh, I don't think they'll be successful for long, at least uh, not after our presentations.
3: Yeah. Um, Great. I, as a young student of of ufology, um, I encountered the work of Dr. Edward U. Condon, who headed up that committee. And the more I learned about him, the more he seemed the exact wrong person for the job uh, dedicated to debunking, and I'm tempted to say, irreverent as it is, it might be more appropriate to call it the condom report, but it's my show and I can't say that. Um, if, if well said. To, can can said, you say
4: that on air, Peter? I,
3: I Let's all I say it do.
5: together: condom report. Uh, condom condom report.
3: Now well, you're to quote me and FCC. <laughs> here I am. Um, I, I think that's okay in this day and age. Um, the The reality of being a military officer and being caught up in an event like this is an abstraction to any one of us that has not had it happen. And over the decades, I've spoken with a small number of former military personnel who have shared with me bits and pieces of events. Um, I know we're not here to talk about your book, Bob, but can, the the impact of that event in 1967 has to had to have transformed you. Obviously, you couldn't go public as, uh, you know, a zealot to get to the bottom of this in public at that time. But could you characterize the change that you went through having lived through watching, you know, essentially the nukes, uh, the the UFOs that were above ground that you were hearing referred to, you know, knock out the ICBMs uh, under your watch?
4: Uh, Yeah, Peter, uh, I I can tell you that was uh, life-changing, no doubt about it. Before the incident, um, I didn't think about UFOs at all, even though there were uh, newspaper reports in the Great Falls Tribune uh, all that week. and previous weeks, uh, I was reading reports about lights in the sky. I just laughed it off. Um, I'll tell you what really got to me was the – abject fear those guys upstairs were feeling as they were uh, confronting this object. Uh, They were very, very close to it. Hmm. There was a pulsating red orange light uh, just hovering there silently. Uh, In fact, uh, the next day, of course, I was sworn to secrecy, had to sign a non-disclosure statement, but the, uh, the guard's, uh, a group of the guards called me at home the next morning uh, uh, after uh, it happened and uh, begged me literally begged me to come and talk to them uh and see if we could figure out what the heck was going on and i had to turn them down uh, yeah. to me that was uh that was what stuck with me that's just let's just say that it just stuck with me for over 27 years that I had to stay silent about this. Yeah, yeah. and thank God for Peter. Fow- I'm sorry, uh, Ray Fowler. Yes, who you're aware of, I'm sure. Sure. Who One is still, Who is still alive, by the way? I he sure heard. is
3: working on a new book.
4: <laughs> he is. Oh, wow. And uh, if it wasn't for him, I, I certainly could not have uh, come forward because it was his. A story in the, in the Christian Science Monitor in 1973 hmm. that uh, Timothy Good somehow got a hold of and put in his book above top secret. And as a result of Mike uh, reading a, a, a small paragraph in that book, that um, I had, uh, I decided to come forward after receiving wow. documents from the Air Force under the Freedom of Information, Freedom of Information Act. Yeah.
3: Well, not surprisingly, Bob, uh, Ray Fowler wrote um, a really elegant um, forward to um, your and James Klotz's book, *Faded Giant. And if I may take a liberty, um, the weapons technology, when you were a, uh, a nuclear missiles officer, you were um, overseeing a battery of Minutemen missiles, correct?
4: Right, Minutemen 1.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I may, um, I've I've collected some images here, and I'd just like to go through them fairly quickly. This is a fairly substantial missile, and I know that even all these years later, it would be inappropriate to ask you specifics about its power, um, how many... Megatons, etc., but I just wanted to. Sometimes images, and again, I'm a, I'm a very visual person, can bring a point home and underscore words. We had these underground at locations around this country, in other countries, ready to go, on a moment's notice, and. You could be by a location and not even realize you were there as a schematic as schematics like this illustrate or this one. And ah, that's part of another thing. But yeah, the reality of being stationed there um, in the middle of a very remote area. And that blast door, you know, you could go by if there were roads, you know, 100 feet away and not even see that blast door right there. Anyway, I I just wanted to um, share those with you as well as this portrait of a very handsome captain.
5: (laughs) That's a handsome captain.
0: Yeah.
3: And that man meant business. (laughs) If he said turn that key, you should turn that key. Um, very briefly, for anybody that's never visited the National Press Club, it is a location with the uh, the class, I think one could say, um, that would, one would want to see um, for an event like this. There is Robert Salas off to the left. And these shots were taken by me in 2013. Another one there again uh, a break time and um, here's a shot of you Bob with somebody who we just lost and who I'm so yes. glad I got to meet it was there at the time actually um, Paul Hillier yes when he came forward he was the highest ranking government official in history to come forward and say, I take this seriously. And Paul Hilliard was the former Secretary of Defense for Canada, major player. And uh, us with some of our colleagues at the end of the event. Yes, It was a spectacular job. And again, thanks eternally to the amazing human machine that we call Stephen Bassett for creating this.
4: Yeah, I agree, Peter. Uh, Stephen Bassett has done a great job through the years uh, pushing for disclosure. Yes. Uh, And uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed that 2013 event. Uh, It almost felt like an actual hearing, didn't it?
3: It surely did. And again, um, as anybody that's not aware, uh, Stephen uh, had received a massive donation to create this and he had the funds to hire at an extraordinarily generous rate, serving senators or congressional representatives to simply take some time. Uh, I think it was scheduled at a time that Congress was not in session. And not surprisingly, not a single one of them showed up, but none of them were willing, again, to risk ridicule by being on that panel in this simulated congressional investigation. And Steve did the next best thing and he he hired a number of retired congressional, well, representatives and one retired senator. And it was very interesting. Uh, I think they were all honest and they did as good a job as they could in doing what they would normally do if it were a real official event and uh, to watch some of their minds change. And many of them were really frank about it in their closing remarks. So, again, you are following in marvelous footsteps here. And the location is the best location you could have to underscore the seriousness of this event next month.
4: Uh, Yes, Peter. um, Let me just mention real quickly, uh, we've still got our fundraising event going. Uh, If you visit my uh website. Facebook page. There's a link there, but it's a GoFundMe page. Uh, We're almost to the uh, goal of uh, 13,000. And uh, uh, I I know that sounds like a lot of money, but uh, it is uh, an amount that's uh, necessary to put this on and do a good job.
3: In fact, Of the 13,000, you have raised about 12,000 already, haven't you?
4: Yes, we're over 12,000. I think we're, uh, let's count, uh,
3: 12,101. Well, this is one of those moments where listeners and viewers who are interested in this subject take it seriously and beyond that want to see real change occur where you can make a difference. So please consider visiting uh, Bob's Facebook page, and making a donation, and let's go uh, over the Tom. Peter,
4: if I might add, uh, I've got a, a special offer just for your audience. Yes. <laughs> Anyone who donates hundred dollars or more, I will uh, send them one of my my book, uh, Faded Giant, uh, signed copy, and uh, and uh, it'll be sent to their home free of charge.
3: Um, I. This is it right here. Uh, The fact is, it's a really important book to add to your UFO library and very unique. Uh, Again, um, Robert Hastings' uh, extraordinary volume, um, UFOs and Nukes, is a groundbreaker. But there are bloody few accounts by individuals involved in UFO nuclear events. I, I highly recommend it. So please consider, for both of those reasons, support this work. Um, We have now um, about five minutes before we go to our break. Uh, Bob, any closing remarks before we turn it over to our panel?
4: Uh, I just want to thank everybody uh, out there who has donated uh, to this effort. Um, I, I consider it a personal responsibility because I had the incident I was a witness to it Uh, uh, and uh, these incidents we'll be talking about including my own uh, are well documented are well supported Uh, they really happened they're real Uh, and uh, again I want to thank everyone because this has been a grassroots effort it's uh, we've had so many donors come forward uh, some very generous donors by the way Um, And, uh, but I appreciate all of them. Um, We're going to do the absolute best job we can of of, of making a strong uh, case uh, for open hearings. And uh, that's our only purpose uh, to get the Congress to take this seriously, because if they don't, uh, they will be, uh, let's say stymied uh by those keeping the secrets uh, and they're going to drag their feet as long as they can uh unless we give them a push so yeah uh, this is what we're trying to do thank you
3: bravo my friend Um, gentlemen ryan jason shane sum up your thoughts or the floor is yours for the next three minutes go nuts
1: (laughs) (laughs) well bob i just wanted to say thank you um about seven years ago, when I first met my my partner, uh, I had been very timid to tell dates that I was a UFO researcher. But when I first met her... And I told her I was a UFO researcher. I expected her to walk away and never talk to me. And her first question for me was, have you ever read Faded Giant? No. I'm not kidding you. No. And I knew it was meant to be. And we've been together ever since. So I have Jeez. to thank you for uh, for that. I truly do. And for where, many
3: other things as well. Where does one find a girl like that? So New York City, That's Peter, awesome. of all places. Jason,
4: yeah. That's great. That's a great story. She read it before you did.
1: Yep. Yep.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
5: Well, Well, I just want to say congrats again, Bob. I mean, I I wish you all the luck in the world with this thing. I think it's hugely important. So I do hope the press and the government uh, pay attention and take it seriously. And – Thank you again for for you know telling people how they can can donate to to help make this event uh, more impactful. And thank you for the generous offer about the book. I, I'm going to have to look into that.
3: <laughs> okay, great, Shane. Uh, yeah, same same for
6: me, Bob. Thank you so much for doing this, and and I do appreciate the book offer, and I'm going to take you up on that myself. But um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, th- I can't think really of a more important facet of the UAP issue than the relationship with our nuclear facilities and weapons, that kind of thing. So I think it's hugely important. And to me, it's almost a no-brainer that the gro- government itself and the media and others would take that as one of the more serious aspects of UAP. And so I, I wish you the most success on this because I think it's really important. Thank you, Shane. Thank you all. Um, uh, Thank you for having me on.
2: Where in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network.
0: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.